Hello, and welcome back to what is officially the first episode of the Peaked Too Early podcast. Uh, This is the first official episode, although Oscar has already heard one episode since we failed to properly save the audio recording. Um, Yeah. With that being said, uh, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Oscar Saywell. How are you, Oscar? Hi, Blake. I'm doing really well. Thank you. Yep, that was kind of an unfortunate thing that happened last weekend, but it gives us, I suppose we can see it as a bit of a practice run, gives us a chance to be more succinct in the stuff we're going to talk about, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, speaking of unfortunate, it's election week here in the United States, Mm -hmm. and in England, everything is shutting down, so everyone's having a jolly old week. So with that being said, let's just hop straight into it. Um, Let's do it. Yeah, we're going to start with uh, some of the recaps of the preseason predictions we did, um, but not the league positions, but rather the individual accolades. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're just going to start with uh, who we think is going to win the FA Cup, starting with you, Oscar. Yes, that romantic cup that everyone loves to hate. Um, I have Tottenham down as winning the FA Cup, which I'm, I'm pretty pleased with. I think that um, obviously Spurs have a massively deep squad this season. Um, We've seen Mourinho already use a bunch of different players in various positions, um, still without using the likes of Deli Alli, if at all, and the likes of Lo still coming back, he's barely played. Um, So, yeah, you know, I think Tottenham are also desperate to win a trophy. Um, I don't believe everything Mourinho says, but uh, his record... I guess does speak for itself and I think it's a good shout. I don't know what you think. Yeah, um I definitely agree. I think it's one of those things where there's lots of pressure on Mourinho. Mm-hmm. Um he's got to win or he's got to do something. If he doesn't make the top 4, then I think he has to win the FA Cup and they play yeah. Stoke City next uh mm. in around Christmas time. So, uh I don't know. Can they do it on a wet, cold, rainy day in Stoke? So yeah, maybe with Angus Gunn and goal, but we'll see. <laughs> yes. Um, so I have Chelsea winning the FA Cup, um, mm-hmm. which I made this prediction before I got to watch Chelsea play, um, and they certainly have not lit the league on fire as everyone thought they would. No, they haven't. Um, but I still think. They're a deep enough squad. Mm-hmm. Basically, their entire starting front three mm-hmm. is on the bench this year. Um, so it's basically like you take the team that finished fourth last season and throw them into the FA Cup. Um, and uh, let me quickly check who Chelsea has coming up next. Um, yeah, that's two teams with strong depth there. So. I think that I mean I think a, a final between uh, Tottenham and Chelsea would be really interesting. I hope maybe it can sort of come up that way. Obviously, you have Master and Apprentice, so that would be fun. Yeah, um, I actually cannot find Chelsea on the upcoming FA Cup fixtures, but oh well. Oh well. I, I still think they're a decent shout. They got a yeah. deep team. They're doing okay. Um, there could be that league dip in form that mm-hmm. then. Lampard goes super try hard in the FA Cup. So, who knows? I'm not I w- I don't think I would say Chelsea again if I made the prediction, but I'd probably actually go with Tottenham. So, 
Yeah. Right then, gold, golden boot. Um, that's for the Premier League, obviously. Uh, who do you have? Uh, I have the goal scorer turned provider, Harry Kane. Uh, Wonderful. Who, yeah, he is currently fifth place in goal scoring with six goals, but he has eight assists. So I think he's less likely to win the Golden Boot, but more likely to win Player of the Season. Ridiculous, really. It's the, it's the return of the oh, world-class, can I say that, Harry Kane that we saw a couple of years ago. Um, and long may it continue for, well, okay, not for Tottenham. Uh, thank you. Yeah, for much. England, but For I England, um, yes. I have Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, which um, is looking like a pretty poor shout. Um, I guess you can't write him off because he consistently scores a lot of goals in every season he plays, but he started exceptionally slowly in, a, I suppose, a, a stuttering um, Arsenal side. But I believe he got that goal um, on the weekend against Manchester United, a fixture we'll talk about a bit later on. Uh, I would not back this prediction whatsoever, so we can move swiftly onward to most assists. Where we actually both have the same player, don't we, Blake? Yes, we do. Uh, we both have Kevin De Bruyne winning the most assists, and mm-hmm. we have him winning the Player of the Season. Yeah. Um, and he is injured right now, so he's. I guess he's like lighting up the physio table yeah. uh, with like thirty yard bangers. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he has made five appearances in the Premier League. Um, he scored a goal, two assists. Um, he has four assists in two games in the Champions League. So, yeah, Playing... again, it's sort of like with Aubameyang, you you can't write him off. But yeah, I uh, I think it's just a little unfortunate that he's had some injury problems early on in the season. But once he gets back to full fitness, who knows how well he'll do? So yeah, I mean, I'm wondering if this KDB can function as the as the KB we all know and love in this sort of new Man City side without your David Silvers uh, alongside him, um, whether like he'll have more defensive duties. Probably not because Man City still retain just mind-boggling uh, possession percentages. But I guess, yeah, maybe his role will have to evolve uh, this season um, to accommodate for what I guess is some maybe lack of creativity that we're seeing from Manchester City so far. Yeah, I really do not know what to make of Man City so far no, this either. season. Um, they have times where they look like they're class, and they have times where they look like mm-hmm. they don't know what they're doing. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe KDB is the missing piece, like a uh, extended run in the first team. Yeah. But we'll have to certainly play more than the six matches that Man City have played so far. Yeah. All right, then. Good season predictions, and we'll um, revisit those probably sometime in the winter yeah probably just before the january window Mm -hmm. um okay so now to get into the recap of uh match day seven uh, yep we'll actually this is one of the rare times we'll get to do all of the matches that took place um since we had some audio go missing uh we're recording this post fulham west brom leeds leicester um so we'll get to talk about those too yeah Um, It'll be so, good. Yeah. To uh, top it off with, uh, or not top it off, to start it off with mm-hmm. uh, Palace Wolves. Um, 
this was a, a pretty straightforward match for Wolves. Um, I didn't really see much that Crystal Palace could have gotten out of it. Like, at no point did I go, okay, yeah, they're going to bring this back to 2-2 and uh, it'll be a great match and whatnot. But the uh, main storyline is uh, two youngsters, uh, Ryan Aitnori, um, who came from Angers. He played with uh, my boy Emil Kraft at Angers. Angers? Um, is it Angers or, or, or Angers? I don't know. My French is not the best. Uh, Neither is mine. Yeah, I had a friend from France who just would constantly make fun of all my pronunciation. Hmm. Um, and Daniel Pudence uh, scored as well. Um, Ryan Aitnori's goal, very nice. Yeah, uh, for... within 20 minutes of his Premier League debut, the 19-year-old. So Yeah, he also he played for Paris FC, who's uh, PSG's little brother. Right. Uh, which, that's just a cool little tidbit about him. Uh, and one of, I think, the most underrated center mids in the Premier League, uh, Luka Milivojevic, sent off late in that match for a very, very, almost a striker's challenge. Um, just yes. two studs up straight to the ankle. Um, not great for him. Probably the full three-game ban. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, this result isn't really... Put- pulling up any trees, I don't think, relatively routine. It does put Wolves right up there in the Premier League table. Um, I mean, I think we should just mention briefly that we are deviating a little bit from our lost recording where we're going to... We've decided we're going to focus on four more in-depth games um, or four games more in-depth just because um, either we watch those or they're particularly interesting. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I guess... If you have nothing more to say on Palace Wolves, we can move on to Man City-Sheffield. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is another match where there's not a ton to be said. Uh, Man City looked relatively dominant, although not goal-scoring dominant, but rather at no point did it look like Sheffield United was going to uh, steal this from Man City. Man City scoring the only goal from uh, Kyle Walker against his not only his boyhood club, the team he grew up supporting. Yes, um, the club he loves. And yeah, I mean, it's, uh, again, relatively routine. Man City dominated, eight shots on target, 16 overall, 65% possession. That's fairly uh, predictable from them. Um, yeah. I, yeah, Sheffield racking up 14 fouls is quite something, um, but with no yellows or reds. So um, maybe Chris yeah. Wilder I mean, will be happy with that all right then yeah moving on chelsea burnley uh another typical result the one you'd expect you don't spend 200 million over the summer to not beat burnley 3-0 yes especially Um, this burnley yes because considering burnley had zero shots on target uh not much they were going to get out of this uh three goals uh hakeem zayek on his i believe to be his full chelsea debut or maybe just his full Chelsea Premier League debut. Um, uh, Kurt Zuma with a towering header um, and uh, Timo Werner scoring to yep. wrap up the three goals. Um, pretty standard. Anything you want to say about that match? No, uh, not particularly, other than I suppose Hakim Ziyech looks pretty exciting. We were hoping that that would happen all, all along. Uh, he's got some flair, some, flambo- some flamboyance. He picks up pockets of spaces. And he's looking like, even though they're not the same player, he'll, he's sort of pipping um, his Kai Havertz 
his name just went out the window for a second there, um, in the starting 11, which uh, I suppose is pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I do want to just say Burnley sitting bottom of the Premier League, mm. one point. Yeah. Is Sean Dyche on the hot seat? Um, oh, that's a good question. Um, he shouldn't be, and I don't think he is. The only thing that would make me maybe argue otherwise is that he clearly has a contentious relationship with this board right now. Um, he's made some of his criticisms pretty public, especially over lockdown with the recruitment and the level of backing that he's receiving. Obviously, we've seen an exodus of, well, not even an exodus of players. It's just a, a relatively small squad that's thinned um, a little bit. Um, I suppose the most high-profile departure was Jeff Hendrick to um, to, U- to Newcastle um, with very few additions um, coming in the other way. Uh, so, yeah, look, I think that no manager can really survive a what dismal season that continues through December, January, February. So perhaps if they're bottom on very little points, at that point they decide to part ways. But um, for now, I think Daesh deserves the chance and will get the chance to turn it around. Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay, on to our first of the more in-depth chats we're going to have. Uh, do you want to start with West Ham Liverpool? This was one yes, I watched sir. pretty closely. All yes, right, I also I, watched this. Yeah, I think I think this was a, a mildly um, frustrating loss for West Ham against a somewhat lackluster Liverpool side. Um, West Ham took the leads. Sorry, West Ham took the lead through Pablo Fornals, who's been on pretty decent form for us, despite some criticisms of uh, his form throughout his West Ham stay. Uh, um, it was a classic West Ham goal. Uh, we caught Liverpool on the break. Uh, Jared Bowen found himself in acres of space in the midfield, um, played it off. Um, I can't remember who was bombing down the side, actually. But eventually it finds its way into the box where there's a relatively poor clearance from Joe Gomez and Fornals tucks it away neatly to Allison's bottom right. Cue celebrations from me and my dad who were watching it in our living room. Um, And then, you know, we saw Liverpool start to basically grind out um, a victory. It started with a silly penalty given away uh, by Masuaku, which actually, um, you know, when we recorded this on Sunday, um, I was pretty adamant that that was a stupid penalty to give away. Since then, I've heard a lot of analysts, pundits, actually say that they thought Salah um, made the most of it. I kind of hate those arguments, to be honest. To my eye, it looked like Masuaku essentially kicked and then pushed Salah over. David Moyes actually said that um, Masuaku stopped playing and looked at the referee in the sort of um, surprised way he did because he thought that the referee would punish Mohamed Salah, which I found kind of amusing. And then... That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. um, You know, Salah tucks that one away and after those sort of mild shenanigans we see in the 85th minutes pretty late on um a gorgeous link up between two substitutes shakiri and diogo jota who the latter runs through our defense sort of slips through and slots it home that after um a, a penalty that was overall by var um I'm, I'm sorry a goal that was disallowed by uh, var because uh, of a Mane foul on Fabianski and Liverpool wrap up the points and go join top. Am I right? 
Um, yes, they are actually one point above Leicester for top of the mm-hmm. table. Oh, okay. Um, so I will say, uh, going back to the uh, Pablo Fernal's goal, um, mm-hmm. I think one of the reasons why Pablo Fernal's gets a lot of criticism is mm-hmm. because he is this like a very very slow player. And when you're watching on the TV, uh, a slow player can look like he's not trying. Um, So I do think probably a decent amount of criticism of him has been undeserved, um, just because it looks like he's not even trying. Um, But no, he really is just the slowest player in the Premier League. Um, But then the other part of the other parts of his criticism are fine. Um, Yeah, I mean... it's interesting you say that just because I think from a from a West Ham fan base point of view, he's stayed in the team or sort of stayed in favor with some people because he because we actually do recognize that work rate. Um, it's actually been his end product that's been criticized so heavily. Um, I don't have the stats in front of me, but it was a very low return um, last season. But, you know, he's adding more to his game in that sense uh, now, I think. And... Um, I would say that Moyes, I mean, and I guess this match is going to be skewed from a West Ham perspective just because of where my loyalties lie. But I think um, something that's interesting is that this formation that Moyes has stumbled across, this 5-2-3 slash 3-4-3 thing that he's come up with, it seems very adaptable right now. It allows West Ham to play on the counter effectively, but it also provides some super vital defensive stability something that we have been lacking for ages and that Moyes has clearly um, made a sort of his prerogative to, to, um, to fix. Um, it does mean that Sebastian Aller doesn't fit very well um, into this system. Uh, he's a big guy. Um, he can't close down defenders like Antonio can. Um and yeah, I mean, I don't know. What do you think of, of Sebastian Allaire? Do you think we stick or twist with him? Well, so to go with the, the formation that has given West Ham sort of a revitalization post-Newcastle drubbing, um, I never thought I would give David Moyes props. Um, no, me neither. But yeah, certainly has West Ham playing one of the best informed teams in the mm-hmm. Premier League, right? Yes, yes. Um, uh, certainly prior to this uh, loss, I think we were third in the Premier League in, in, the form, in the form table. So very impressive from David Moyes. I think we should yeah. shout out um, from a Liverpool point of view, Nathaniel Phillips. He was making his full Liverpool, no, not his full Liverpool debut, his full Premier League debut. I think he's played once in a cup a few years ago. Yes, he played in the Carabao a... Cup. Yep, yep. He's already 23, um, and he was on loan at Stuttgart in the Bundesliga 2 last season. But by all, by all intents and purposes, um, brilliant performance, I yeah. think. He was man of the match. Um, he was extremely determined in the air, um, and he looked relatively assured with Joe Gomez, um, who is also still a young player, and he's had extremely shaky starts this season beside him. So perhaps big things for him in the future. Yeah. Um, I will say I was not surprised that the Pablo Fernal's goal came from a botched clearance from Joe Gomez. I think right. Joe Gomez is extremely overrated, just like Trent Alexander-Arnold is. Uh, but... That was your first hot take, folks. 
from yeah exactly Michelle. yeah um this was another match in which most of me watching trent uh was watching him put first time crosses into the box that go nowhere um which i uh, i wrote down what i thought was a pretty good comparison um calling him the terry rosier of uh english football um who if you don't know who terry rosier is he used to play for the celtics in the nba um and he was just like a high volume three-point shooter um and people thought he was really good um and then he got paid uh and everyone realized he was an absolute fraud so i think i mean it's very bold of you to denigrate one of the darling of English football to I mean I don't I've never heard of of, of that player but whoever yeah, well, what so, did you, what's his name Terry who Terry Rozier R O Z I E R All right then but what I will say is I mean I'm going to have to disagree with you on, on that point I think Trent Alexander Arnold is probably the best passer in the Premier League especially from a variety point of view um I think his look his stats speak for themselves um the amount of assists he passes chances created he gets are frankly ridiculous for well a fullback let alone like a 21 year old so i think you'll have um a lot of convincing to do to dispute my opinion the other way shaky start to the season for him we'll see we'll see all right Um, then yeah moving on i suppose moving on yeah before you crawl through the computer and kill me (laughs) yeah this Southampton Villa match, um, 4-3 to Southampton. Um, Scoreline, um, you know, a bit of a throwback to the early stages of the season, at least on paper. But in reality, pretty flattering to Villa, um, I think, Blake, who went 4-0 down and got a couple of goals late on. Yes. Um, it was uh, almost shades of Newcastle coming back from 4-0 down against Arsenal in 2011. Um, all that's missing was uh, Chick Teote's 90-something minute uh, absolute banger to win. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was a a decent match to watch. Um, yes. James Ward-Prowse, uh, a player who for a few months slash two years maybe has been, should he be included in the England squad? Mm-hmm. Um, he scored two gorgeous free kicks from almost yes. the exact same spot on the field. Um, yes. And I think he's a very, very interesting player because I don't rate him totally uh, in open play. I don't think he's mm-hmm. the greatest player, hence why he plays for Southampton. But I do think he's probably a top three dead ball specialist. Um, Easily. He... Yeah. Uh, with these two goals, he overtook uh, Matt Letissier, uh, the either Jerseyan or Isle of Manian uh, Southampton legend um, yep. for the most free kicks in Southampton uh, history. Um, yep. And then the fourth goal from Southampton was an absolute beauty by Danny Ings, um, kind of what you come to expect from Danny yeah. Ings in his post-Liverpool days. Yeah, just to clarify, Matt Letizia is from Guernsey, another one of those small uh, islands. Yes, the coast. Um, I knew he was one of them. Yeah, lest we forget also that James Wallace Prowse put in an immaculate cross, as you said, one of the best dead ball specialists in the league for Yannick Vestergaard's opener, which was a, a great header. Um, he's had a, a really impressive start to the season, I thought. 
Yes, I, I agree. Uh, yeah, yeah. And um, as you said, that sumptuous Danny Ingle, it's where he cuts inside um, to sort of blast it in on the right foot just outside of the 18, becoming a classic Ings goal. And a little bit of a shame that um, he's going to be out for, I think, around six weeks with a with a, sort of another knee injury. So well, best, best of luck to Danny Ings. So I know when it happened, they were worried that it was an ACL injury, but I think they confirmed it really quickly after the match that there was no ACL damage. Um, So I think uh, that's looking like a MCL sprain that like month and a half to two months uh, of recovery needed. So yeah. Um, Good for Southampton. Yeah, he's hoping because um, I'd, I'd love to see him at the Euros too. And as for Villa, I think there are some worrying trends from last season, um, at least defensively, um, two massively needless free kicks given away, uh, frankly. And then there's poor man marking for the header. I'm not sure why McGinn is going up against Yannick Vestergaard of all people. But, you know, I yeah, think... Five, from, five foot six McGinn yeah. versus six foot six Vestergaard. Yeah, not a great look. But I think from an, from an attacking point of view... You know, Villa outshot Southampton in this match massively. They had 19 shots with 10 on target to Southampton's nine on four. And um, yeah, more possession, more more passes, more key passes. And uh, I think Villa have, you know, the chance to stay up in this league comfortably um, if they can make sure to calm down defensively a little bit. Yes, maybe in need for some January reinforcements. Possibly, possibly. Um, I yeah, I just I don't. I mean, I think opinion is divided on Dean Smith. Um, obviously, did a great job at Brentford, and it's nice to see that he's managing his sort of boyhood club in the Premier League. But um, I guess maybe a little bit harsh to say the jury's still out on him because he did do a good job keeping what was at times an abysmal Villa up last season. On um, goal differential. Was it? Goal yep. Differential? I believe they stayed up on, they had one better no, goal I differential. It was one point. I thought they stayed up. Wow. I can't, I don't know. I can't remember. We'll have to check that. But um, if so, then that's very impressive. But yeah, Villa, one of the exciting ones to watch this season. Um, along with Leeds, I think. All yeah. right then. Next match, it's all it's all you. It's it's Newcastle two, Everton one. Big win. Yeah. So Everton came into this match. I believe they were top of the league, or they might have been down in second. Yeah, I think they were um, joint top. Either way, a flying start to the uh, the Premier League by Everton this season. Kind of what you'd expect. Um, Everton being big spenders, although you, Everton is always a big spender, um, and they always laughably end up seventh, eighth, ninth. Um, so yes, um, the big news to start this match off was uh, Jordan Pickford was dropped from the starting lineup, uh, meaning they start their true number one, Rob Olsen, um, and uh, Ancelotti said after or before the match that it, it was was a rest not a drop and uh pickford is guaranteed the next start for everton 
um, which, I mean, we anyone who's watched Everton versus Newcastle knows exactly why Pickford was dropped from this match. Um, historically, going back to his uh, Sunderland days, Pickford has been horrible against Newcastle. Uh, countless mental mistakes, um, trying to like hype up or uh, egg on the crowd and then getting an egg on his face. Um, you've got like the three, two comeback. You've got the, uh, the two, two with Lejeune scoring two stoppage time goals. Um, so honestly, probably a disadvantage for Newcastle to not have Pickford starting for uh, uh, Everton. Um, I have in my notes, Pickford dropped. Ha 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 ha. Um, which, uh, yeah, that was kind of going into it. Um, then the first 30 minutes of the game were absolutely dead. Most of the first half was completely dead. Um, yeah. I think there was one, one or two clear-cut, chan- clear-cut chances, um, both to Newcastle. Um, not d- You don't give Newcastle a clear-cut chance, they won't put it away. Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, and then in the second half, things started to kick off a little bit more. Um, in the 56th minute, there was a corner swung in um, by Sean Longstaff, I believe. Um, Callum Wilson uh, is running towards the ball. It's kind of dropping towards Andre Gomes. Um, it's the classic defender tries to clear the ball. Uh, the attacker steps between him and the ball, and he just kicks the shit out of uh, the attacker's calves. Um, Stonewall penalty. You can never... I don't know in what league that would not be considered a penalty, but Everton fans still complained. So, um, and Callum Wilson tucked it away. Uh, he's either three for three or four for four this season from penalties, um, which is pretty good because Newcastle are historically terrible at penalties. Um, and then uh, from that moment, Newcastle pretty much had total control of the match. Um, eventually scoring a second through a Ryan Fraser uh, quick breakaway, um, beating Yeri Mina for pace, chipping it into the path of Callum Wilson, and Callum Wilson just toe-tapping it into the net. Um, In typical Newcastle fashion, uh, they then went up the other end and scored. um, DCL, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, scoring a very typical goal for him. Um, You just... If you get the ball to him in the box, he will put it away. Um, and it made a very nervy six minutes just stoppage time. Um, yeah, and it was a, a good Newcastle win. Um, I am, of course, happy to beat Everton. Um, I think their league position is a little bit fraudulent. Um, I don't think they've had the toughest run. Um, and I think they're going to start a sort of regress to the mean, drop back down, finish in eighth place. Um, any thoughts from this game? Not many other than maybe asking whether you think that Everton can feel not aggrieved to lose this, but on sort of the balance of play, you know, they had more possession, plenty more passes um, in the final third as well. Um, I, I, You know, they just, I think that obviously they were lacking some important players. James Rodriguez was out. Um, Rashid Allison was out with that suspension that he picked up 
I think it's looking like um, Richarlison actually really makes this Everton team uh, tick with his work rate, his his press up there. Um, yeah, I think like you that Everton are perhaps slightly outperforming. I don't think Dominic Calvert-Lewin will necessarily keep scoring at this rate either. Um, but you know they play an incredibly out of form Manchester United next, um, who we can talk about right now, and uh, if we're wrapping up this this fixture. Yeah, I, I think I think I've said all I need to say. Cool. Well, I sort of flagged Man U Arsenal not necessarily to talk extensively about the match, but to talk maybe more broadly about Manchester United, who are certainly the the narrative uh, team uh, right now, especially after their loss um, yesterday to Istanbul, Başakşehir here, um, that two one loss with yeah, really frankly like really... one of the I mean. Sorry, go ahead. Really quickly, um, yeah, shambolic defending. Um, oh my and God, those... my boy Demba Ba scoring mm-hmm. a great goal. I have never seen a... I mean, for those who didn't see it, I, I've never seen... I mean, at an amateur level, it, 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 at our, you know, um, pottering about in the intramural league here at the University of Maryland, if, if we conceded a goal like that, we would be embarrassed. Demba Ba is alone like what 10 yards at least in, more than that. inside yeah inside manchester inside his own half um and you know manu i think they they possibly take a short corner or they lose possession from a corner and you know they they don't have a single player back to to track demba bar who at the age of 35 with i think a broken leg and two horrible knee injuries in his in his injury history can just i mean it's not even scampering really it's it's running rather slowly to have a, a nice one one with dean henderson and, and slotting it away like he usually does it was just embarrassing really yes i agree so not only did he have 15 yards to himself in his own half uh I cannot say the name of his team. Bazak, Bazakshi here. Bashakshi here. Bashakshi here. They had, I believe, three passes before it was sent to Demba Ba. So even when they lost possession, no one thought to go back and get Ba um, and cover no. him. No, uh, it's, it's utterly embarrassing. Yeah, absolutely I mean, terrible. Look, this is, I guess, leads into why I wanted to talk a little bit about this Man U Arsenal fixture. It was more for the fallout from it than than the game itself. Obviously, we we have Arsenal winning 1-0, 69th minute penalty from Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Um, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about the game itself, Blake. Uh, you know, it was relatively drab. Um, yeah, pretty terrible boring. Terrible first half. 10 um, minutes, that's it. Yeah, basically the only highlight in that half was this was was a was a Bakayo Saka miss in the forty third minute. Pogba gave away the penalty. Clever run from Hector Bellerin, but he sort of needlessly goes in and catches yeah. uh, Hector instead. Aubameyang converts. Um, you know, I think from a tactical point of view, I think it is bizarre that you know they bring Cavani on in like the seventieth minute, and you know they. Don't put Marcus Rashford out wide where he's usually been playing, and they try and put 
two in the middle and I don't know what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is really playing at. But something I wanted to pick up on was especially Roy Keane's criticism of the team after the game. Um, I think people who know me and especially you, Blake, know that I am very critical of pundits like Roy Keane. I don't have much time for them. I think that that sort of blustering, toxic male, masculine stuff needs to start to die in football. Um, but you and know, in real life. I want to, and in real life, obviously, something that I want to criticize Roy Keane for is singling out Marcus Rashford for, and he does this repeatedly. His quote: "Poor, poor body language," um, saying that he was shrugging his shoulders when things weren't going his way, that he didn't want to be there, criticizing Pogba, for example, for being lazy, that kind of stuff, um, I think is terrible uh, punditry. It's not analysis. And frankly, um, you know, you, you have to take a look at the fact that Roy Keane uh, and the likes of Graeme Souness, these old sort of washed up pundits, always picking on black players in the Premier League. Um, which is, is, is very distasteful and very problematic. And frankly, the mainstream footballing media do not talk about it enough. And yeah, I mean, I just wanted to, to get that out there. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Um, I mean, so you, you say, oh, Marcus, Ra- oh, I can't do an Irish accent, but uh, oh, like Marcus Rashford, he's so like, he looks uninterested. He's just walking around the pitch. Paul Pogba's lazy, yada, yada, yada. When they talk about Newcastle matches, they talk about how classy John Joe Shelby is and how yeah. he's such a magical player when most of the time he's walking around the pitch with his head down, uh, out of breath, hands on his knees, trying to catch his breath, uh, yeah. slowly walking back when we're out of possession, um, never criticizing John Joe Shelby. Um, so I think yeah. that's just one example, but you could, oh. you could find yeah. examples on every team. Um, you like yeah. uh, Scott McTominay. Uh, oh, how exactly. classy he is! Such a Manchester United player. Scott McTominay is shit. Also, I, I side note disagree with that, but <laughs> I, I think the point is that I mean, just just think back to to what they said about Romelu Lukaku, who throughout his career has been subjected to the most appalling race racist abuse, both overtly and covertly from every section of the footballing media and fans and. You know, I just think that, you know, I'm l- listening to all these pundits and commentators say, oh, Roy Keane, he's so funny. I love Roy Keane because, you know, he says what's on his mind and isn't it so fun? And it's just like, no, it isn't. Um, it, it really needs to be called out. It really needs to stop. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's absolutely fuming at the performance they put in um, yesterday. You know, and, and, you know, criticism is warranted. I'm not saying that criticism isn't warranted, but we, we just have to be extremely careful the way we, we dole it out. And to criticize, of all people, Marcus Rashford for his commitment to his boyhood club is honestly laughable. Yeah, it does. It takes a lot for me to give props to a Manchester United player, but I think Marcus Rashford is probably one of the most admirable players currently playing in the Premier League. Um, I don't know who you Easily. could put ahead of him. I really don't. Maybe no. uh, 
Oof. No one right now. Yeah, no yeah I can't even think but, of a single yeah. player. I mean, you know, a pop. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, I think uh, that was maybe a thinly veiled. I chose this match just to talk a little bit about that, but um, we we can move on maybe to Brighton Spurs, and the story here is, I guess, Gareth Bale. Right? Is he back? Uh, did he ever leave? Well, yeah, possibly. Oh, I oh, yeah. I mean, I meant uh, you know, just with his Spurs comeback here. I don't know if if a Gareth success at Tottenham 2.0 is necessarily a bunch of goals um maybe it's more sort of just like that star power and that that backup to the the established attacking lineup um but yeah I mean this was a relatively actually this no this was not a routine win for Spurs they were they weren't very good um but they they did yeah. grind out thank a win. you for correcting yourself yes no they were pretty poor here um and uh, you know, especially seeing as Brighton made a, a couple of changes, they put in Sanchez, a, a 22-year-old goalkeeper who I don't think has ever played in the Premier League before. They they they're expecting big things from him, but they they dropped Matt Ryan, who's had a shaky start to the season. Um, he's let in more shots um, per 90 um, than he has throughout his whole tenure at uh, Brighton so far. Uh, but yeah, it was a it was a Harry Kane penalty um, that opened the scoring, and uh, this was an interesting call. What did you think of this one? Because I have some pretty strong views about it. Uh, this is the Adam Lalana yes. climbing over the back of Harry yep. Kane. Yep. Um. So watch. It took me quite a few watches. Um until i said yeah that's probably a penalty um mm. i real it's really hard to see the so it depends on like so the contact starts outside of the box but the foul like the bit where contact turns into foul happens like on top of the white line which by the definition is a penalty yeah. So I think it's like unlucky on Brighton, but I don't disagree that it's a penalty. So I think it's interesting you say that because I think I had a different opinion on Sunday night when we recorded this, but after watching it again, ruminating for a couple of days, I am actually going the complete opposite direction and saying that I think that should be a um, a foul on Adam Lalana by Harry Kane and some severe punishment for Harry Kane because if you take a look at what Harry Kane does he he's very good at it he wins this penalty he he knows what he's doing he backs up into Adam Lalana the 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 thing here is is that Harry Kane makes absolutely no attempt to try and win this ball right Adam Lalana is jumping up to try and win this ball that's high up in the air and Harry Kane is backing into him the reason I think that Harry Kane should be punished for this is because it's incredibly dangerous. You're backing into a player who is in mid-jump, knowing that that player is going to basically flip over, over your body um, and possibly land on his head, possibly land on his neck. He could have broken his neck, Adam Lallana. And I just think that if you sort of look at it again, it's, it's just such dangerous play. I just don't think it should be allowed in rugby that that is a that that act that movement that harry kane makes to to win that foul is 
is a is a severe um severe punishment for for that um and that's it that's in rugby so i don't know um i think perhaps it, that incident deserves to be to be reframed somewhat yeah, I am watching it now. Um, it's an Eves Basuma half clearance. He kind of whiffs it on the first attempt. He gets it on the second, sends it out to the 18. It looks like Harry Kane is looking to where the ball is going, kind of on the half circle at the top of the 18. He then, the ball is maybe 15 feet in the air. He has his back to Lalana. Lalana has not jumped yet. And he is just, he just kind of turns his back and continues running in that direction. Um, kind of like he's expecting Lalana not to jump for it. Um, mm. Kind of like uh, a box out move in basketball, uh, where you're just kind of, you, you hope to back into them, back Lalana, back away from the 18. So it drops in front of Harry Kane and he can have it at his feet. Um, in slow motion, it does look a lot worse than yeah. it happens so quickly that I don't think like I don't think watching this live, I would have picked I would have gone, oh, that's super dirty. But watching in slow motion, you go, oh, well, maybe there's a chance that he's doing that intentionally. But is is he moving too quickly to know what he's doing? Is he thinking, oh, I'm just going to box out right here? I don't know. I think that Harry Kane is very astute. I think he knows. He's good at winning fouls, at winning penalties. And I think in this case, he's made a mistake. He's gone too far with it. That's what I would say. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. I agree that it's a penalty. Um, sorry, I agree that it happens inside the box. So yes, yes, if we're yes. going off those rules. Yes. And I mean, so hmm, you have me in quite a little in two, two, two minds at once. Mm -hmm. I'm not totally sure. I'm trying to think of an instance where, oh, well, there's that, that moment. Um, it was West Brom versus Tottenham in the 2015 season, I believe. And there was an instance where some the play, DeAndre Yedlin goes up for the header because he was playing for Spurs at the time. Oh, yeah. um, and the player. And Salomon Rondon, another eventual Newcastle player, um, sort of does the same thing, backing up into a dropping ball and sending DeAndre Yedlin flipping over him. And it went viral because uh, Salomon Rondon catches DeAndre Yedlin before he can fall oh, on his yes, head. Oh, yes, I recall that one. Yeah. Um, I don't remember anyone talking about that one uh, as that has to be a... Like, that's a dangerous play by Rondon. Yeah, I don't know. I think it happens too quickly for you to go. Okay, there's a hundred percent malice, mal malicious intent yeah, yeah. from Harry Kane. We need to no. retroactively. No, uh, look, I don't think it's necessarily malicious, but I think it is. Um, it is dangerous play, and therefore, I think it 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 did warrant some punishment. But anyway, let's move on but, to. Oh yeah. no, go ahead if you want. So yeah, my final statement on this is. Isn't the uh, Premier League saying if it's not called a foul on the field and it's not looked at? Well, so it's obviously looked at by VAR because it was called a penalty. But their whole thing about retroactively banning players, oh. 
no, is that's it has to not oh, yeah. be viewed by VAR. Yeah. Uh, yes, yes, yes. So I think by the Premier League's rules, there's no way they can. Oh no, no, there's Harry. no way he will. I'm I'm talking more about in the moment. I think that the referee and the the VAR officials should have picked up on that. But okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah cap it off. Um, a bail, a bail, a nice bail header to end it, and um, and we'll see how that narrative goes. Yeah, vamos, vamos. Yeah, that was hilarious. He um, screamed vamos um, at Sergio Reguilon, another former um, Real Madrid player, when he scored. So perhaps a slight dig to his. Well, I guess he's only on loan, so his current co-employers. But anyway, yeah. the first of the um, Monday night fixtures: Fulham West Brom. Fulham end, ending up. 2-0 victors, and they're off off the mark with a win outside of the relegation zone, four points. Yep. Man of the match, Alexander Mitrovic. Yes, he did play well. It was a um, lovely cushioned header to for the opener, wasn't it? Um, yes. Bobby, um, they could have a read. Yeah, unselfish. Yeah. Uh, and then a nice layoff for Ola Aina, who he's on loan from Chelsea, correct? No, he left. He's on loan from Torino. He left Chelsea for Torino, lit up Serie A. I think in the eighteen nineteen season, he was very good. Nineteen twenty, maybe a bit of a down year. He was he's yeah from two thousand eighteen to two thousand twenty. He was with Torino, one year on loan, one year permanent. And he's on loan at Fulham right now. Correct. And it was an absolute screamer from Ola Aina. It was a it was a gorgeous goal, smashed. Um, across his body into the top left-hand corner, if I'm not mistaken. Unstoppable for his first Premier League goal. Yeah, it was a great, great goal. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of all to be said about Fulham yeah, West Brom. Yeah, panic stations for West Brom a little bit, I think. Um, they, need to, they need to start showing an uptick in form. But Definitely. yeah, can't, can't pretend that I watched that one too closely. So... <laughs> Yeah, neither Leicester leads 4-1 um, victors, Leicester City. Yeah, much more entertaining match, um, in my opinion. Uh, I would agree. There was, like, right from the off, Leeds almost score. Um, while uh, the television is still showing the replay from the Leeds miss, basically it emergency cuts away from the highlight and goes to Harvey Barnes scoring um, yeah. up at the other end. I believe it was Jamie Vardy cutting it across to a yeah, wide open Harvey Barnes. For him. Yeah. Um, and then uh, there was a Yuri Tielemans, uh, who I, I'm very impressed by. I think he's a phenomenal player. He is phenomenal. Um, and the amount of games he's played for, for a player of his age is astonishing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then uh, Leeds would get back into it with a Stuart Dallas goal. Um, and then uh, probably the mo- my moment of the match oh, is... Please talk about Cheng. Yeah, Cheng is under uh, with a beautiful like uh, chip, but it kind of just, oh, just bounces yeah. and sits. Curling it doesn't, was... Yeah, it doesn't go anywhere. Um, and Vardy just beautiful... Like easy goal. Um, Vardy does the Vardy ting, yeah. For yeah, sure. exactly. Uh, and then oh. Yuri Tielemans would score a penalty. Yes. Um, First minute penalty. Yeah, but a good win for Leicester. They're in second place again. Mm-hmm. Uh, can they keep it up? For I don't know. 
we saw obviously last season they were great up until just before the pandemic hit and then capitulation and then capitulated so yes my favorite word mm, great word great word yes we yeah yeah the league table uh is looking looking okay uh still some very weird things such as man united in 15th man city 10th arsenal 9th chelsea 7th um I guess Tottenham in third is a very weird thing to see. Uh, and then you have Leicester in second, Everton in fourth, uh, Southampton in fifth. Um, Burnley in 20th is very surprising for me. Um, I thought they would have a mid-table season this year. Um, so just very... I'm somewhat less surprised at that, but yeah. Yeah. Um, right then. That's the fixtures done, and we're looking forward to this weekend's round. I know West Ham played Fulham. Who who are Newcastle up against? Yeah. Um, so we do have uh, our first ever predictions um, for match day eight. Um, and so I will say the fixture, and I will say uh, who 538 predicts to win after we both make our predictions. Mm-hmm. Um, so to start this off, uh, Newcastle will play away at Southampton. Who do you think? I'm going for a Southampton win here. Uh, do you want me to give a a, a scoreline? Yeah, sure. Why not? Um, yeah, let's do scorelines for for the Newcastle and West Ham matches, and and just maybe predict wins for a team or a draw, perhaps for That's the fine others. By me. Um, no, I'm sorry. I reckon Southampton win this one comfortably. Oh, I suppose they are without Danny Ings. I'll go for 3-1 victory for Southampton away at Newcastle. Okay. Um, I, of course, have watched a lot of Newcastle-Southampton. Um, we are in very good form against Southampton. Uh, I think three of the last four have been wins, which is much better than the previous like 10 matches in which we were like eight losses against Southampton, including back-to-back 4-0 losses. Um, I... However, every time this season Newcastle has had a good result, we followed up with a stinker. I'm going a nil-nil draw. Uh, just an absolute bore of a match. Uh, like an absolute sleeper. Uh, I'm guessing like two shots on target for Southampton, zero wow. for Newcastle. Big shout. Yeah. All right. Now, uh, Manchester United at Everton, Manchester United in poor form, Everton in decent form. Yeah, I'm going for, I'm just going to go for a draw here. Uh, and yep, that's, that's, that's it. Yeah, I think, I think Everton can uh, do enough. I think Manchester United don't know what they're doing right now. Um, and I think Everton have... I, I don't think I could ever bet, bet against DCL. Um, mm. That man is going to score if you get him the ball. So Very true. Uh, moving on to Fulham at West Ham. I have a bad feeling about this one. Uh, I think West Ham do raise their game against um, quote-unquote bigger sides. Um, it looks extremely likely that we will be without Mikel Antonio, which obviously affects us pretty badly. I'll go for a draw. Um, I think uh, I never... I I never say I never like to say that West Ham will lose unless it's pretty obvious. 
Um, uh, I think I'll go for a score draw. I'll put it at 1-1. That's fine. Um, I obviously don't know as much about West Ham as you do, but I do know that Fulham are pretty bad, although I think they certainly will be uh, definitely hyped up coming off their first win. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm going to go a West Ham... 2-1 win, but I think it's going to be it's going to be like West Ham score 2 relatively early on, maybe before the 25th minute, uh and then Fulham dominate the rest of the match but can't yeah. get over the line. No, it's it's thank you for the faith. Um listeners will quickly realize that I will most likely be predicting a West Ham draw week in week out because that is how I operate a little bit superstitious. But anyway, next Leeds at Palace. Yes. What do you think for this one, Blake? I think this is the kind of match that has Zaha written all over it. Mm. Um, I think it's going... I think Zaha gets more than one goal. Um, oh, okay. But I think it's going to be a high-scoring affair, yeah, maybe like a yeah. 4-2 Palace win. Always watch Leeds, I reckon, this season. Always watch Leeds. And I guess I think for that reason, um, just because I'm enamored with with Bielsa, I'll go for a Leeds win. Um, I think, you know, you can't write off Roy Hodgson tactically um, either. Um, but I think Leeds will be raring to go after that loss to Leicester. Yep. Spurs, West Brom. Spurs at West Brom. I'll go for a Spurs victory there. Yeah, I uh, think a clear Spurs victory. Yeah. Um, Burnley Brighton. Um, this will most likely be a horrible game, but I'll go for a Brighton victory. I think that Burnley are in extremely poor form. I think Brighton are underperforming um, somewhat, um, but I am also very impressed by Graham Potter, so perhaps a little bit biased. Yes, there. I agree. I think I think Burnley are in a little bit of trouble, um, and I think it kind of turns into one of those things where. You have a few bad matches, and then every match is a bad match, and then yeah, you yeah. have to do something. Uh, how about Sheffield United at Chelsea? I think Sheffield United are in a little bit of trouble here um, this season, um, but you know, it, with with sensible heads, they'll they'll ride out a um, uh, ride it out. Um, I actually, Blake, you might have to change your prediction for me there that you've written in. I think. Um, Sheffield United might pull the win out of the bag here. I think Chelsea are riding high and they have been relatively impressive but Sheffield really need a win and I, I'll back Chris Wilder's side in this one. Yes, I have a feeling that Lampard will look at this match say, okay, Sheffield United are in 19th. How about we give Kepa a run? Uh, no, and... no way. You think he'll really do that? I just want to see. I want to see it. So I'm going to say uh... it. There's no um, way it's going to happen. So, yeah, you beat me to the punch predicting a Sheffield United win at Chelsea. Um, I think it's kind of... Chelsea always have a few of those every season in these past few years where they just... Yeah. Weird results. Mm -hmm. um, moving on, Villa at Arsenal. Um, I reckon I'll go for a draw here, possibly leading Arsenal, but I could see a score draw, 2-2, two, 3-3, two, two, three, three, something exciting. I'm actually going to go uh, for Villa, I think. 
I'm not convinced by Arsenal. I'm not convinced by Mikel Arteta, unlike you. Um, <laughs> I think ninth place for Arsenal is very fitting. Um, right. And yeah, I, I think they're playing right where they're playing and Villa is ahead of them in the table and are proven goal scorers. And That's true, that's true. I think Villa can do it. I think like a 2-1 Villa win. Um, and then we're going to have some serious conversations about Arsenal. Very true. Um, so Wolves at Leicester. This is just one of those fixtures that's impossible to predict for me. I just have no, no idea. I, I can never predict Wolves. Um, you know, in my head, because we beat them so comprehensively, um, I have them as like crap. But obviously they're great. So um, I... Oh. What does my gut tell me? Gut tells me, you know what? I'll go with the Wolves victory. I'll go with the Wolves victory. I think Leicester might stumble. Uh, interesting. This is a, a battle of the top six. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly two of the most ambitious sides of the last five to seven seasons. Um, yeah. I have this going down as a draw, but a thriller. I think it's going to be like a... That'd be fun. A Wolves up 2-0. Leicester scores in the 75th minute and then in the 94th minute with like Vardy. a Jamie Vardy yeah. breakaway goal. Um, and then our final prediction of the of the week uh, will be it's Liverpool big, at City. Big match. Big match. Big I, implications. I think that this will, like the quote-unquote big match of last weekend, Man U Arsenal, be a little bit of a letdown. I think this will be a draw, possibly a low-scoring one, or a nil-nil. I am going to go ahead. I would have said a draw. I would have said a nil-nil draw, um, yeah. just because you you can't have nice things. Um, yeah. But since you said draw, I will be a contrarian, and I will say City upset Liverpool. Um, Nat Phillips, I don't know if he's going to start again. Probably. Um, he didn't. He didn't. Well, he, he's not eligible in Europe, but... Um... But I reckon he, he might. Yeah, I I just wonder what's going to happen. Like, it's one thing not to have Sebastian Haller score against you. It's another thing yes. to stop City. So That's very true. Um, true. So really quickly, um, going off what the, quote, uh, experts say, uh, 538 thinks Southampton will beat Newcastle. Uh, Manchester United will beat Everton. West Ham will crush Fulham. Um, Crystal Palace leads likely a draw. Tottenham will crush West Brom. Uh, Brighton beats Burnley. Chelsea crushes Sheffield United. Arsenal beats Villa. Leicester beats Wolves. And Man City beats Liverpool. That's a very interesting 538 prediction yeah. for Man City Liverpool. I want to see what the odds are opening on that. Because mm. uh, I think those are some pretty decent odds. Yeah. For Man City, an unconvincing Man City who's in 10th place to win. So, I'm not a betting man, but... Neither am I. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, that wraps up our uh, our predictions for this next match day. Um, we're going to move into five questions. Questions. Um, I had five questions for... Oscar that we recorded Sunday night, um, yes. but considering we lost the audio, 
I don't want to repeat the same five questions because not only is it less fun for me because I don't learn anything, it's less fun for Oscar because he's already told me all these things. So I have five new questions, or four oh, new questions, actually. Wow. Okay. All right. Uh, so my first question, uh, this is the, the peaked too early in his career. Um, although I, this is not in the same vein as okay. uh, Good to like know. the others. Um, cause I think he had a phenomenal career. Um, so this player, my first hint for who he is, is he was born in the Soviet union. Oh. So, all right. Think an older player. Older now player. he'd be, he's 39 years old now. Oh, he's only 39. He, all right. He had a wonderful, let me do the math really quickly. 21 year career with Zenit St. Petersburg, where he scored tons and tons and tons of goals. I think, uh, let me quickly scroll down to his full stats, because uh, I think he has over 200 goal contributions for them. I was going to say Andrea Shavin, but... Let me... Uh, in total, uh, they don't have assists on Wikipedia, but 296 appearances for Zenit. 71 goals. I wonder how many assists he had. But yes, then he moved to Arsenal. I am talking about Andre Arshavin. Oh, you are? Wow. Yes. Yeah, no. Oh, Only Andre Arshavin. He did not have the career at Arsenal that yes. many people expected him to have. Yes. Oh, sorry. I misspoke. 23 year career with Zenit, which that alone absolute club legend um, andre arshavin's performance his four goals against liverpool exactly is um, my favorite Premier League game of all time um it is fantastic if you haven't seen it there are extensive highlights of it on youtube and it is yes i believe the full matches on youtube yes yes i watched um, it during lockdown yes same um he i don't think he was ever the best player um but i do think for a wonder kid, he he's a very weird wonder kid because he stayed with his hometown club because um, he was very hyped as a youngster. Mm-hmm. Um, he just moved to a big club and then was not the same player. But my, I guess my question for you is, what do you think of Arshavin's career? Do you think he is a bust like some people consider him? or um, A bust. That might be harsh. I mean, huge things were expected of him, and I think that it started really well for him at Arsenal, and then it sort of faded. I think uh, Wenger started to change his tactics a little bit, and um, he didn't necessarily fit into that system. Um, I think you know we can put him in the category of a of a peaked too early in the sense that he could have gone into the stratosphere and didn't. But bust, um, absolutely not. I think Andrei Arshavin had an incredibly respectable career. And, you know, I mean, 23 years as a professional is amazing. So No, 23 years for one club. Also, four years for Arsenal. Oh, like a And cum- he had oh. two other clubs. Can you tell me the club he... Not, not the club, because that's a little bit unfair. Can you tell me the nation, like the nation of the league he finished playing in? Uh, I want to say 
Didn't he end in like the Kazakhstan Premier League or something? Yep. He finished playing yeah. for Kairat in wow. the Kazakhstan Premier League. That's um, incredible. Great, great job. Thank you. Um, yeah. Uh, so that's my, my wonder kid slash did he pan out? Did he not? I think of him he, just because he, he spent, was... he didn't spend 23 years at St. Petersburg. Yeah, he did. 1988 Nine... to 2009. Oh, you're, you're including the youth career. All right. Another year uh, on loan there. And then. Yeah, I uh, didn't think two you were more in, seasons. Including, uh, including the youth year. Yeah. All right. Brilliant. Love Andrea Arshavin. Yeah, exactly. What's... I think of him as like one of the most entertaining players. Oh, for sure. And because yeah. I was watching him when I first got into football. So. Yeah. Like, great player to watch. Okay. Um, my next question, this was the one I'm reusing. Um, what is the ceiling? Like, who is the ceiling for Maddie Longstaff? Like, what kind of player can he be? Give me a nice comparison to a player who's currently playing in the Premier League. Yeah, or great. was playing. I think, but frank, frankly, I think he'll do well to reach Sean Longstaff's level. Um, I think <sighs> that might possibly be his ceiling. I think that Sean Longstaff has, can improve, but I think... Matty Longstaff, from what I'm seeing right now, will do well to have an established career in the Premier League. Is that a hot take? Not really. Um, he kind of, I think he's the kind of player who would benefit a lot more under Rafa Benitez. Um, uh, certainly Steve Bruce, like laissez-faire tactics are not great for either of the Longstaff brothers, but I think it's a little harsh to call him his ceiling to be Sean um, <laughs> when most Newcastle fans consider him already to be well and above Sean. Interesting. Um, All right. then. So yeah, Sean, I just don't know enough about the player. Probably. Yeah. Sean was really hurt by Rafa leaving um, because yeah. he really needed, he's got the, the, te- the talent, but he really needs the tactics drilled in his head uh, mm-hmm. to be a good premier league player, um, which is why, uh, Steve Bruce's run around, have fun tactic does not work yeah. for Sean. Yeah. Um, also, Sean's had some pretty unfortunate injuries. Um, yes. As is Matty. Yes. Well, Matty's is like a a thigh, like a, a one monther. Um, and then he had like an illness. And then. Oh, okay. Okay. It's not, not quite the same as Sean, who had like extensive ligament damage to his okay. ankle. Yeah. Uh, and like a bad ACL tear. Um, Oof, that's awful. I would say Maddie Longstaff could be an Adam Lalana, which is not very good from my perspective. You would say that is phenomenal because you love Adam Lalana. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't say it's phenomenal. I'd say that's pretty damn good, though. Um, I disagree. Adam Lalana is a full England international. Oh, God. Okay. Well, so talking about England. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wanted to ask your opinion. Who deserves to be called up to the England squad more than Tammy Abraham? More than Tammy Abraham? Strikers? Yes. Um, Harry Kane. uh, Marcus Rashford. I love Tammy Abraham. I meant like not included in this upcoming Euro squad. Not included in this upcoming Euro squad. I didn't actually take a look. Um, So... uh, Gareth Southgate said in his press conference that uh, it would be unfair to Tammy Abraham to drop him for a more informed striker like 
Patrick right. Bamford yes, or see that. Callum Wilson. Um, I do think that I would take Tammy Abraham oh, over Callum Wilson because I would take Danny Ings over Callum Wilson. And if you're looking for a different type of player up top, then perhaps I think Danny Ings edges out Callum Wilson. But I've also now completely forgotten about Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I suppose that's the shout you can have. Um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Tammy Abraham, relatively similar profiles. Um, strong in the air, good with their feet, good, good poachers, essentially, good one-touch finishers. Um, that's a hard question. I, I don't know. I do really love Tammy Abraham. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll shout out um, DCL and, and we can throw in Danny Ings there, I think. Yeah, my two cents is just with the Euros, like you don't have to worry about potential. Um, yeah. Like you shouldn't be calling up players based on potential. I think really you should call up players based on best form. form. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Tammy Abraham's blatant troubles this season um, and towards the end of last season um, are certainly game to call up one Callum Wilson over him. What's wrong with that Tammy was... Abraham this season? Are you asking, are you disagreeing with me that there's a problem a with him? A little asking... bit. I mean, I think that, oh, sorry. Yeah, I am disagreeing with you a little bit. Look, I think that Tammy Abraham, like, he's massively talented. And he, he did, I guess he did start in some of these games that, um, Chelsea have underperformed in but that's when he had Kepa between the sticks behind him and you know he's come off the bench and been incredibly inf- effective so far this season and we've seen that he can work with T- Timo Werner in the same starting 11 so I wouldn't write off Tammy Abraham yet I think that you know especially off the back of last season he did have a dip in form but you know I- yeah, I don't know. I mean, possibly you're right that an England place, a guaranteed England place, might be going a little bit far. But Gareth Southgate, as we know, does have his favourites, and perhaps Tammy is one of them. Yes, I will say uh, he has one goal, one assist in the Premier League this year. Uh, yeah, in the Champions what, two League, in the EFL Cup, couple in the Champions League, one goal, one assist. Yeah, but I mean, what off the bench? In how many of those? Uh, you, you know, I think he's probably underperforming his XG. Um, I think you'd back him to to start to perform better um, with with his yeah. end product. But we're talking about getting called up to the England squad. Yeah, that's very true. And I think that you know you take Dominic Calvert-Lewin over him because they're the same profile striker. And if Dominic Calvert-Lewin is smashing in goals. Um, then why would you take Tammy Abraham over him? So, yeah, I mean, I suppose after this rambling answer that I've given you, perhaps to your original question, um, it is somewhat dubious of Gareth Southgate to say it would be unfair to drop Tammy Abraham. Perhaps perhaps not for this next round, next week of international fixtures, but for the Euros, I mean, that's that's so far away that it's a little bit of a silly oh, statement, yeah. I think. In my head, the Euros are like a month away, but... yeah. That's good. Every time is blending together. Okay, moving on. Yeah, all right then. Um, I asked you on Sunday, um, who, regardless of uh, 
minutes played was leading the Premier League in rating. Uh, and you were surprised the answer was Gabriel Jesus. Um, although he's Brazilian, so maybe it's Jesus. Um, Jesus, yep, Jesus. Uh, who, for some reason, uh, is leading the Premier League uh, in rating. Uh, my question this week is, this is with minimum appearances, um, which I believe it's three and a half is the cutoff for who scored. Um, but who is leading the Premier League in, uh, let me get the right wording, pass success percentage? Um, pass? I'll give you, it is a defender. Yeah, give me some. Oh, God. Um, I reckon last season it must have been like, like Virgil van Dijk or something, but obviously he is injured now. It's a defender. I'll go for. Oh, I want to go for like Toby Alderweireld, but I don't know if he's played enough minutes. I don't have a better answer, so I'll just go Toby Alderweireld. The best or the most highest success. Highest percentage success passer in the Premier League this season is Thiago Silva. Really? Which yeah, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, number two, right behind him, is both of our collective boy, uh, Mohamed El Nani. Mm, oh, brilliant starts this season. Yeah, great player. Yeah. Playing yeah. amazingly this season. So. Um, cool. Cool. And then my final question for you before we wrap up is who would you rather have or what which situation would you rather have? England wins the World Cup or West Ham wins the FA Cup? Oh, I'm going to sound like a patriotic idiot, but England winning the World Cup, I would I would have to say. Right, um, what about what about West Ham winning the Premier League? Oh, uh... Yeah. Oh God. That's oh. I don't know what it is about the World Cup. I would just. I would be. I think actually quite emotional if England won the World Cup. I was surprised at how heavily invested I was in 2018. Um, but oh, West Ham winning the Premier League. It depends on who their owners are. West Ham winning the Premier League if they're taken over by. I don't know, like a Saudi or Qatari conglomerate, no, um, would not take that if they're backed by uh, terrible human right abusive owners. Um, I would much rather England win the World Cup if somehow, which is now impossible, West Ham win it in a sustainable manner, then I would suppose take that. But I'll go final answer, I'll stick with England winning the World Cup. Interesting. Uh, being an American, mm. uh, I would have. Almost anything rather happen than the United <laughs> States win the I World mean, Cup. I mean, look, you win so many World Cups in the women's World Cup anyway that it's it's fine. You you get the taste of it already. Well, I would say I don't really get the taste of it because my entire life the U.S. women's national team has been so good that not winning the World Cup is a disappointment. Um, but that's true. Yeah, you just expect them to win every single year. Um, yeah, which who knows? Maybe they'll have a little bit more competition this year. Somehow, somehow, I doubt it. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. A uh, uh, topic of conversation for another day. Yeah, certainly.
Um, so yeah, so that wraps up the uh, second time we've recorded the first episode of the Peaked Too Early podcast. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at uh, bmunch, that's B-M-U-N-S-H. You can follow Oscar uh, at his new Twitter handle, which I cannot remember off the top at, of my head. It's at O-H-S-C-U-H at Oscar. Yeah, how you properly pronounce his name, like Oscar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, you can also um, email us at peaktooearlypod at gmail.com we'll answer every email that we get yeah obviously and uh, follow the podcast uh, peaked the number two early pod um, yeah we're a, we're a good bit of fun Apple Spotify uh, we're there yeah Apple Spotify the episodes are live um, so yeah so take care uh, you lot in England don't come out mm-hmm. of your house you we lot in the U.S. Uh, probably want to stay inside your house as well. Definitely. Uh, and with that being said, have a great night. Thanks. Bye.